Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. In starting the series of relationships, listen to reason, I want to open up with this question. How do you date someone as a Christian? How do you date someone as a Christian? Now, as we get into today's topic, I, some of you may be thinking, well, I'm married or I'm not dating or um, I'm already in a relationship. I don't need to, I don't need to learn about this. I want to just project to you that, that what I'm talking about today and what I'm going to be talking about in every series, even when we're talking about marriage, it's going to be able to apply to all walks, all stages of your life. It, if, it, I guess unless you want to be celibate for the rest of your life and or if you felt the call to be uh, singleness forever, then maybe, you know, some things won't apply. But it will still help you in how you interact with other people. And so as we, as we look at this specific topic of how do you date someone as a Christian, if you're already married, I, I want you to think about how, the, how these principles apply to you. Don't, don't be so quick to shuck them off and say, well, that's not for me. I want you to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It, and so starting off on how do you, how do you date someone as a Christian? The, the title of today's message is Dating Done Right. Look at your neighbor and say, Dating Done Right. I love my wife so much because she randomly, um, if you talk to her, she, she sounds so professional when she talks. And the first time I started talking to her, I felt so intimidated because I felt like I was talking to a, like an elementary school principal or something. <laughs> but when you get to know her, she has this random flair that comes out. It's like all of a sudden she, she, she reveals like that she was from Corpus. <laughs> she, she's like, I, I'm, I'm from the, the town that Selena was raised. <laughs> And she lets, it, she lets it come out here and there. And I share all that because the way, uh, the way it said, dating done right. <laughs> like, dating done right. I, I believe that we get this idea of dating being this precious little pretty thing that we keep in this uh, antique box. And we just look at it from a distance and say, this is Christian dating. It's just so polite. It's courting. It's not even, it's not even dating. It's courting. Uh, being ready to get married. And, and I've even heard some Christian uh, preachers say that it is not biblical to date. That, that the only thing that we see in the Bible is courting, that there's no, there's no dating ever recorded in the Bible so that we should not date. Um, I don't believe in that because I believe that dating is just a modern way of courting, um, depending on what you want. And Starting this, this topic about dating, I, I want to share a couple verses. And these are going to be the main verses I share today. The only verses I share. And it's these. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And so the reason I'm sharing this verse, you can back up. The reason I'm sharing this verse is because even in dating... As Christians, we should be doing it as unto the Lord. That's why we're talking about it today, because every part of our lives as Christians is involving God. And if we try to leave out God in certain areas, it's only going to create confusion. 
And so just like this scripture is saying, even in dating, it's saying all things do it as unto God. And so even in our dating, uh, in, in, in our daily lives, in our, our basic parts of life, we should be involving God rather than uh, keeping him on the back burner and acting like he doesn't exist at that moment or that he doesn't care that, oh, surely God cares about more things than this. But God cares about even how many hairs you have on your head. That's a very useless point of information. Think about that. How many hairs you have on your head? God knows the exact number. What a, what a minute detail that's unimportant. Yet, so if he cares about that, don't you think he cares about the person you're, you're uniting yourself with and dating, that you're fellowshipping with, that you're connecting with? Doesn't he care about that? So the next verse I want to share is in uh, 1 Timothy 4.12, and it says, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are, you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. Someone say purity. Purity. And... Notice that Paul is writing this letter to Timothy and he's saying, don't let anyone else think of you because you uh, less of you because you are young and be an example to all believers. Do you know, young people, that you are an example to older people who are married by the way that you date, that you glorify God and your effort to to put God first, even in your dating and that's a, an example and representation to people who are even married and you encourage their faith. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And so I want to share these two verses just as we get started, because I, I'm trying to make a point that as Christians, we are, are an example and a representation of God in our lives in every way. And, and that's why in our dating, we should really get this locked down. And so the first point that we're going to talk about today is the stops. Someone say the stops. The stops. I'm going to make this real clear for you. This means stop doing this. <laughs> stop doing this. And the first thing I'm going to tell you, it, before, I, before I really get started, because I'm going to get started, okay? <laughs> and before I do, I just want to let you know that it's going to be a very practical, raw message today. And I'm going to do my very best to not... Um, I'm going to feel the liberty to, to tell you just straight up, okay? How many of you guys watch rated R movies? All right, so just about almost everyone here. How many of y'all have ever seen a rated R movie in your entire life? All right, cool, cool. So, now don't get me... I'm not going to start cussing or anything like that. <laughs> But I'm, I, I want to just talk real straight to you because I want to be abundantly clear. And so I'm not going to talk in illusions or um, anything like that. I'm going to just be very straight up. Is that cool with you guys? Do y'all give me permission? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> y'all hesitated. So the first stop that, that Christians need to make right now, the very first stop, is stop being weird. Stop being weird. And... Some of you may f- think, well, how am I being weird? And every Christian that has ever asked me for dating advice has been super, super weird. <laughs> um, here's some weird quotes that I've heard. What if he's the one? Some of you are like, oh, that's not weird. That's real. <laughs> here's, here's a real, real weird one. And this is way too often, too. 
God told me to date her. God told me she was the one. See, the reason that these kinds of thoughts are so weird is because God didn't tell the other person most of the time. (laughs) And I've heard uh, people telling a girl, a guy telling a girl saying, well, God told me that you're the one, and so I know it's going to work out. I've heard of other people saying, I had a dream about the pastor's son, and so I know that he's the one I'm supposed to marry. That's crazy. (laughs) That's weird. Like, we, we have to differentiate between our own minds and what's actually spiritual. Paul says to count everything natural first before spiritual, that he looks at everything naturally before he looks at it spiritually. And so with dating, when I'm saying don't be weird, I'm saying, hey, let's just start in the natural before you get all spiritual. If you ever find yourself thinking about dating and you're thinking, well, this is the person that I have to stay with, I have to be with, you you are on the verge of being really weird because you need to just look at it very natural first. Y'all dig what I'm getting at? Here's some other weird things to stop doing. Um, There's there's this book that came out several years ago. Um, I think it was called Kissing, Dating, Goodbye. And it was this whole book about how Christians should only group date because if they're only dating one-on-one, they're going to fall into sexual sin and and they're going to ruin their lives forever. And... It created this idea of group dating to where you should only be dating someone if there's other people around. It's the idea of like, well, you're not going to do anything wrong if everybody else is there, right? They're going to help you keep, uh, stay accountable. Uh, that this, this author literally pulled his book off the shelves and stopped selling it because people started writing him after they got married about how it ruined their lives. How it ruined their marriage because they never got the opportunity to actually get to know their spouse before they married them. And that, that there's so much that they neglected to, to, to learn about intimacy because they're only doing these group datings. The point of, of me saying all this is that just because a Christian says something or a Christian teacher says something doesn't mean it's always right. We, we have to... We have to really look at things practically sometimes. And, and if, if it sounds off to you, you should test it. If it sounds weird to you, you should test it. Or ask someone else for advice. Someone that's more mature than you. That's, that, that will be able to help guide you. Because this, this, um, this idea of group dating is only healthy at the very beginning stages of a dating period. So if you're trying to get to know somebody, maybe you're going to church and there's some, that person that catches your eye out of your group of friends, maybe at college, maybe at work, whatever. There's that person that kind of catches your eye. If you're wanting, if you're wanting to know whether or not you actually want to date them, uh, the proper way to actually do a group dating and be successful is, is really more like having everybody hang out. And while everyone's hanging out, you're getting to know that person specifically. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Like if when me and my wife were dating, if we all went out after church to go get something to eat, I would sit next to her so I could talk to her the whole time while we're all hanging out. And that's how I'm able to get to I'm able to get to know her to see whether or not I actually want to date her. Y'all feel what I mean? And that's a healthy thing to do, because sometimes we start dating people that we have no idea 
anything about them. We're just being shallow. Y'all feel me? And, and so it's, it's okay to just go hang out with everybody and get to know that person. But there's a point where you need to start actually being intentional and dating that person one-on-one. And we'll talk more about that in a second. Another thing um, that's really weird that, that people need to stop doing is texting only. Have you ever, just tell me, you can just wink at me, nod at me. Have you ever liked somebody, you're talking to somebody, and when you text, it's completely different than when you're in person. All of a sudden, they're like, like cracking jokes, they're, all of a sudden, they're flirting with you, and you're like, oh, well, where did this come from? But then when you see them in person, they're like, oh, hey, what's up? It's like, whoa, bro, what happened to all those texts? <laughs> See, when, when you only communicate through text, it creates fantasy. It creates a false perception of what's really going on. It's, it's equivalent to reading uh, uh, romantic novels. It's like through those texts, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not saying you're texting crazy stuff, but you're, you're pretty much doing the equivalent of getting some Fifty Shades of Grey on. It, you're, you're feeding your fantasy of, of what it could be. And that's why so many Christians end up having these really weird relationships because they only know that person's fantasy through text. But they, they, that person is not that person in text. You, you, you text different than the way you even talk on the phone. And even the way that you talk on the phone is completely different than the way you operate in person. They did a study one time, they like, the universe did a study one time, that even in someone's car or over the phone that people feel detached from uh, the connection of the other human being. And so people are uh, statistically more likely to be rude, angry, or mean to you over the phone or even in their car because they feel detached from you. They feel like you're not really there. You may have experienced this on the road. I personally am a pastor. I'm a very nice person. I like people. But for some reason, when I'm in my car, I know that Matthew chapter 5 says, don't even call anybody an idiot because you're in danger of the fires of hell. But when I'm in the car, I'm like, what a moron. Who gave that guy a license? If it's a really specific situation, I might even just wave at them Without, I don't flick anybody off, okay? But you ever get so mad, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> but if we were just standing right in front of some, one another, I would never talk to anybody like that. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Who do you think you are? But in my car, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Over the phone, same thing. And when you go to text, it's even deeper than that. You'll, you'll say things that you'll never say in person. And so, again, you will only create a weird environment. You're you're laying down weird soil for only weird fruit to grow. And so, you do not create fantasy. Do not uh, fascinate yourself or fantasize yourself through text. Strive as much as you can to communicate in person or at least over the phone. I'm not telling you, like, like to make a whole weird thing about never texting people either. But y'all, y'all dig the context that I'm talking about? 
Stop creating fantasy. Now, now we can move on from stop being weird, okay? And you might, you might end up catching yourself. Just, just always hear my words in your head. If you're going through this process, you're trying to get to know somebody, at any moment, you may hear these words flash through your head of, of Homer telling you, don't be weird. <laughs> don't be weird. That's probably the Holy Spirit saying, hey, remember, don't be weird. <laughs> Next, stop, stop bad judgment. Stop having bad judgment. Judgment is, is one of the most interesting things. Did you know that our brain actually has a center of our, our, a part of our brain, our, a lobe that is specifically designed for judgment? And that our neurons and our sensors are all fired up with judgment on a normal day. And even different throughout different times of day. You could be tired and your judgment decreases. Your, your sensors are focused elsewhere. Pleasure is a completely different part of the brain. And when those sensors fire up, it subtracts from your sensors of judgment. That's why addictions can be so hard because... You could tell yourself, I don't want it. But then when the pleasure is right there enticing you, all of a sudden you think differently because your sensors are not operating at the same level. And so when I say stop bad judgment, what I'm telling you is stop being desperate. Stop being desperate. Because what people end up doing is because they feel lonely, because they, they have these, these feelings that, that, and emotions that need to be nurtured, the moment anyone available comes along, they're willing to, to accept that person and use bad judgment in order to feel better about themselves. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Some of you are like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and so... Let me, let me go a step further when it comes to bad judgment. You, you are just simply cutting yourself short because you are too scared to wait. You are cutting yourself short because you're too scared to wait. People are naturally pessimistic. Some, it, 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 if you think of tomorrow, you usually think, well, what if something bad happens? What, what if no one else comes along? Well, what? How come that's your first thought? Why, why not think instead, what if someone better comes along? <laughs> what if this is the best kind of person I'm going to be able to get? Well, what if a, a month from now there's someone even better? Would it not be worth waiting? See, like our judgment can be so steered in the wrong direction when we're desperate. And especially when we're trying to feed our own emotions. What? I... I, I I'm going to be honest with you guys. And, and throughout this whole series, I want you to know that you may disagree with me. You may have different opinions. And you may even think like, well, who, who made you teacher of dating? <laughs> who do you think you are? I, I'm, I'm really old fashioned. I'm not like really, really old fashioned. But I'm old fashioned in the sense of, of, of people... Uh, having roles in, in a relationship in a marriage. For example, when I was dating my wife, I always paid for dinner. That, that's, a, that's what I mean by old-fashioned. 
I didn't take anything away from who she was as a woman. But for me, I, I, I felt like, man, well, if I'm if I can't even take her out, if I can't afford to take her out, then I shouldn't be dating her in the first place. And so I would I would pay for her food every time. And she would even ask me what I want to treat you. I said, no, please let I want to do this for you. I mean, you, you give me uh, so much happiness. Let me do this for you. And again, that's like old fashioned. I still believe that it's it's the best way to date today. And I'm not trying to be sexist or anything like that. But from what I've experienced and what I've learned, not only in the Bible, but even in our society, that women like to be women and men like to be men. And, and not one is lesser or greater than the other, but there, there's, there's so much fulfillment when you feel peace to be who you're supposed to be. And you feel a lot more peace and joy when the person you're with is, is fitting that other role. And, and I'm speaking just from my marriage and, and just to, as a background, if you're thinking, well, who's this guy? I, I've been married for six years going on seven. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not at 20 years or 50 years, but I got, I, I asked my wife to marry me when I was 19 and we got married right after I turned 20. When I was 19, she was 22 and by 19, I had my own place. I was paying all of my own bills. I was completely independent. And even when we got married, when I was 20, I, she, didn't, she had no need to get a job her own. I was supplying for the whole home. And, <laughs> that was my wife back there. But when I'm telling you about bad judgment, when we, when we only have bad judgment, we need to get some good judgment. What, how do you get good judgment from getting good perspective? Before I, I, when I decided my heart, when I knew, I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm ready to get married. I want a companion that I can live life out. Not every person's desires are the same. For me, I felt like I didn't really have that, that, that companionship or family growing up. And I wanted to start that. Once I started my adult life, I said, I, I don't want to just get my life together first. I want to experience getting life together with my future wife, with my, with my best friend. I want to have a best friend to walk this life out with. Not everybody needs to do that. There's plenty of people that say, I want to get everything right first and then get married. And that's totally fine. You can do that. It'd be wrong of me to imply to somebody else, well, you need to get married young. Just in the same way, it'd be wrong for someone in their 30s to imply that you should only get married once you have everything together. The, the, the fact is, it really depends on what you want. That's what it really depends on. And before I got married, before I even started dating, I literally was reading one book a month on, on manhood and how to be a, a better man, how to be a Christian man. And I was trying to prepare myself because I knew in a marriage that I wouldn't ever be able to change my spouse. I would only be able to change myself. And so I tried to prepare myself the best I could to be ready to take care of the person I was going to be with. And my wife was like, well, you could have probably read a couple more books. <laughs> and another thing I did is I went around and I asked everybody and their mother about their marriage. I asked married people that had successful marriages and I asked people that were divorced and had bad marriages and I asked them what, what made the difference? What helped you to make your marriage good? 
How did you make it uh, 50 years? Why do you think it failed after uh, three years? I would ask specific questions because people know. People, their experience would be able to help me. So I wouldn't have to go through the same experiences. And when I'm talking about stop bad judgment, be open to the perspective of others. And don't get me wrong, when I say that, when people are just giving you negative perspectives, eat the meat and spit out the bones. I had people when we were engaged, about to get married, and I had this dude that was so raw after his divorce, we were loading up Lauren's stuff. It was like three days before we were going to get married. And he's, he's there and he says, well, you know, Lauren, uh, if you ever get divorced, you'll have a lot of leverage with the kids. And look, I'm Christian and everything, but I cussed in my head pretty bad. <laughs> you. <laughs> it, and there's plenty of people that when I was, I was getting a, I got my apartment, I was trying to get furniture. I barely had no furniture. And someone made a comment to me one time saying, well, I would rather live in a house than an apartment if I were ever going to get married. Trying to imply that I was just not ready. I was like, dang, well, that's why you're still single, girl. <laughs> but there, there are some things that when I'm talking about judgment, there's some things I established to help guard my judgment because I know that my judgment could be faulty. The Bible says in Proverbs that our heart is deceitful. And so I had I had uh, three green lights for me when it came to whether or not I was ready to get married. Of course, I prayed and I, I and I asked God. I'm talking about some practical stuff. Remember, natural before spiritual. And I, I, went, I went to my senior pastor and I asked him his opinion. I said, hey, you know me. I really want to start dating to get married for this reason, that reason. What do you think? And he said, go ahead. <laughs> I said, hey, look, man, I'm serious here. If you told me that I'm not ready, that you don't think I should stop dating, I'll break up with her right now. I said, no, you're good, man. Go ahead. I then asked my, my dad, my own parents, I, they don't, they're not even Christians, but I said, hey, I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to marry this girl. I want to ask for your blessing. You know me. You, I want your blessing. And then I asked her parents. Again, I'm old fashioned, right? And I said, hey, I, I want to marry your daughter. Would you trust me to, to take her hand? See, I, the reason I did that is because judgment is important. And I do not have the best judgment. You do not have the best judgment. But when you're able to get the judgment of multiple people, it helps you to, to start off right. And another reason about asking your, your, your pastor, asking your, your, uh, even their parents, your parents, is because when you get married, you marry the other family. <laughs> It, you, you are becoming one. And so all this part about judgment, I'm telling you, it, it matters because it's not just going to be you and her or you and him until death do you part. It's you and the rest of the folks. That, and it, it, it makes it a lot smoother when you let them be a part of it. Because before that point, that's what they, that, that, that was their, their son, that was their daughter, whatever it is. And so... Being able to involve them in that, that kind of uh, talk is meaningful. I'm starting to get off of marriage, so I'm going to go back on topic. Don't be desperate, okay? <laughs> and, and stop your bad habits. If you keep dating bad people, maybe you're the common denominator. That's tough, right? That didn't feel good. 
It, sometimes we, we are attracted to specific traits of other people and they just so happen to be mixed with negative traits. Have y'all ever seen those memes of, like, is he really, like, <laughs> giving more meme references and Bible references? <laughs> Have y'all ever seen one of those memes that talk about a guy being upset um, because he says something along the lines of, well, uh, she, uh, she wants to keep ruining her life by being the bad guy and just friend zone me. And so... It's all about like this pity party of the guy being like the good, the good guy, but being shot down every time. You ever seen stuff like that? Um, let me just, let me just kind of bring some clarity because that's weird. That's weird. That's weird, right? Um, the reason that most gals like the quote unquote bad boy is because they're actually uh, have a minute confidence within themselves. Confidence is attractive. Wouldn't y'all agree? And sometimes those negative traits are attributed to being cocky or just a jerk. But that, that feeling of confidence within yourself is like, well, yeah, I want. And, and that's what I'm talking about, how a, a, a lot of people uh, fit into like the natural role of like man or woman. Because a lot of women like the idea of a man being confident and being able to, to lead. I, I've heard so many women talk about how annoyed they are that they're having to drag their husbands to church. They, they feel like they're the ones that are having to lead the family and everything. That they do everything at home and that he just sits on the couch. Like they, most women I, I've talked to, they, they want a man to step up and be confident in leading. And, and so the... The other part of, for the guys that are like the good guy, yeah, it's good to be nice and all, but, I, I, and this is one of those crude moments. I remember I was dating a girl when I was in high school before I gave my life to Christ. Who, I, I don't know what she is now, but she was bisexual then. And, and there was a point where I was being like real nice to her. I was like uh, just being like super sweet. And I'm not telling guys to not be sweet, but there was a part where I was like, we started dating and, and I was always just pulling one of those like, well, what do you want to do? What, what do you, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What, and I, instead of me just being like, ladies, don't y'all like a guy to say, like, to say where you're going to go? Even to this day, I tell my wife, where do you want to eat? She's like, please, please just choose. <laughs> Why do you, so many marriage get into fights over where they're going to eat and they drive around for hours? Do you feel, what would you want to go to? Mexican food or Italian food? I don't know. Just choose. Well, you got to tell me what you want. <laughs> See, even in a simple situation, it would be so resolved that the guy would just be like, we're going to go to Denny's. Not, the worst place ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> but when I was dating this girl, I was being like that. Like, well, what do you want? What do you want? And she, she just finally broke it to me. She said, hey, look, I already have a girlfriend. I don't need another one. <laughs> I was like, dang. <laughs> Calm down. Whoa. Don't shoot. <laughs> but I remember that was something that really taught me a lesson about being a man and manning up. Sometimes we just need a man up, guys. And so, again, if, 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 you're, if you're seeing that bad habit, uh, you're the common denominator. If it's over and over, like maybe you are just looking for a confident guy, but you're giving yourself to any confident guy that comes along. You need to start being a little more detailed in your judgment. Say, yeah, I want confidence, definitely, but I want that with Christianity too. 
Y'all, y'all dig what I'm saying? And, and you're going to be a lot more satisfied if you, you use your judgment to make good habits. Did you know that there's not one good habit that was formed by accident except the Powerpuff Girls? <laughs> That's not real, though. Have you ever just accidentally started flossing every day? I hate flossing. Every time I floss, it's like I become Rocky Balboa when I split out all this blood. <laughs> you have... You have to form good habits intentionally. And so when it comes to making good judgment, you need to stop just taking whoever comes along and and understand that, hey, maybe I'm the one that needs to start making some changes. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Maybe with all these bad relationships, what if it's that you're just too clingy? And and all these people, it's not that they just didn't want to give you attention, but that you wanted, uh, you weren't satisfied with being alone. It's, it's not good to be lonely, but it's good to be alone. It's good to have moments of aloneness, of oneness. And so maybe that's a common denominator. That is a bad habit that you've just not looked at that you need to shuck off and say, hey, maybe this is unhealthy for me. Y'all dig what I'm saying? So look, we talked all about stopping. Let, let's go over real quick about the bees. Look at your, your neighbor and say the bees. Now look, this isn't the birds and the bees. It's just bees, okay? Just <laughs> It's the verb, be. Be intentional. Look at your neighbor and say, be intentional. intentional. Stop being afraid of rejection. Mm, See, that's how I know that's good right there. When people say, mm, that means like, oh, that that was for me. That's good. Stop being afraid of rejection. And just like I was saying before, either be the man or be the woman. Again, that's a little old-fashioned, but I believe that a guy should be the one to ask a girl out. And if, if you like a guy and he is just not asking you out, it's probably because he's, he's so scared of rejection, he's not ready. He's, he's still dealing with insecurities, and he's not ready to be the man to, to just ask you out. Does it, girls, does it ever feel good when you have to be... You, I, I have heard so many girls say, well, I'm, just, I'm so tired of waiting, I'm just going to ask him out. They literally feel anxious about... Wanting this guy to ask him out that to the point where he's like, I'm going to just do it so I can find out if he likes me or not. Dude, he's just not ready. He, let, him, let him grow up a little bit more first. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Maybe there's someone around the corner that, that's even more dreamier than that guy, and he's going to man up and be like, hey, baby. <laughs> What's your number, girl? <laughs> and you're finally going to feel that adoration that you've been wanting. <laughs> and... When I say, guys, be the man, stop being afraid of rejection. If you like the girl and you feel like you're, you really want to date your, her, you want to ask her out, just do it. Y'all feel me? Guys, someone say, just do it. Just do it. Stop being afraid. If she doesn't like you, at least you don't have to keep fantasizing about her. You can know, like, well, she doesn't like me. I can at least fantasize about somebody else now. Jeez. Just... Let it don't be so afraid of rejection that leaves you stagnant because you're going to just stay stuck there. And there's people that I know that are for years that they like one girl and they're so afraid to like to ask this girl out. And they're literally just on the sidelines creeping and being weird. Like, hopefully that relationship doesn't last like because I know I'm the one. It's like, dude, if they get married, like you lost your chances. It wasn't divine. It was just you not stepping up. Y'all feel me? And that goes within marriage too. 
guys, we need to man up and, and lead our wives and, and take them out on dates. We should still be taking our wives on dates. When, when me and my wife, we had our baby girl uh, uh, last year, it's been so hard for us to go on dates like we used to. We consistently, for the, uh, for the five years up to where we had a baby, every week for five years of our marriage, we had a date night. Why did we have that? Because I, as a man, established it. And you know what? My wife liked that I cared enough to ask her on a date every single week. She liked the fact that she didn't have to beg me, say, when are we going to go on another date again? We have to be intentional as being the man. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Again, I'm I'm talking old-fashioned here, okay? (laughs) That's a, a, a young guy like me talking about being old fashioned, right? Be intentional. Here's another part. Look for someone that you actually want to date rather than someone who's simply available. Hmm. Why don't you look for someone that you actually want to date rather than someone who is simply available? Think about how many people are in the world. Was it 16 billion? I love the story of Solomon. Solomon had a thousand wives and concubines. And now some guys think like, man, like how blessed he must have been. Well, they didn't realize that that meant he had a thousand mother-in-laws too. (laughs) That's a joke. Sorry, Lucy. (laughs) Just joking. But what, what amazes me about that story is that Israel is not that big of a place. This is before texting... This is before cars and within the small geographical area that he lived in, there's a thousand women that he saw, a thousand people that he's like, oh, I could be with them forever. <laughs> and so surely you have a chance here in San Antonio. <laughs> surely got a shot that there's somebody, how, there's millions of people here in San Antonio, right? It, surely there's somebody here for you, <laughs> at, at least in the state of Texas. Hey, when I met Lauren, she lived in San Antonio at the time. I lived in Del Rio three hours away. And somehow the stars aligned and we met each other and we got married. We dated for six months and and got married. We were both ready. (laughs) So look for someone that you actually want to be with, that you want to date rather than someone who's simply available. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Next, be clear. Be clear. Be clear. Notice that I said that three times in effort to be clear. Be clear. Make it as clear as possible of what you want and what you're doing because clarity counters confusion. Your relationship status should not be it's complicated. And it should not be booty call either. You you need to be so clear on what you're doing and what you're wanting. Guys, you should not tell if a girl that you're wanting to ask out, you, you should not ask out so vaguely in a way that's like, hey, do you want to go see a movie? Or, do you want to go hang out? Uh, well, yeah, I do. All right, great. Uh, come meet me. Pick me up at eight. <laughs> you, you, guys, you should be intentional in saying, hey, I want to take you on a date. Would you go with me out to eat? I can pick you up at this time. And I'm telling you, if you, if you jump over that little bit of fear of rejection, 
that girl will be so much more impressed that you already had a place to go and a time and everything planned out rather than just like, hey, do you want to go hang out? Want to go Netflix and chill, dude? (laughs) You impress that girl so much more if you show intention and clarity by saying, hey, I want to take you out to this restaurant next Friday at 8. Would you go with me? You'll, she'll probably fall head over heels for you the moment you do that. Girls, if a guy is asking you out, if he's not being clear, make it clear. Say, hey, are you asking me on a date? Are you asking me on a date or are you just wanting to hang out on, as friends? Y'all feel me? And be clear on what you're doing. When I, and this may be overkill for some of y'all. When I first started dating Lauren, my wife, when we first started talking and when we realized that we liked each other, I said, hey, I'm really wanting to date with the, with the idea and intention to get married. And so if you feel like you're not really ready to get married within like this year, we should stop talking. That's like abundantly clear, right? You know what she told me? No, I'm ready. No, I'm ready. But see, I wouldn't have, if she said, no, I'm not really, that's too soon for me. Well, then that, that's a clear sign for me. It's like, well, then there's probably somebody else out there for you. See, oftentimes we waste months and years at, with confusion thinking, well, is he ever going to ask me to marry him? Is he, is he even want to be married? It's like, you need to just be clear as soon as possible. Because if we we're dating for six months like we were, and then all of a sudden I ask her to marry me, it would have been a waste of time to find out then that she said, oh, well, I'm not ready to get married for at least another five years. I'm not ready for that. I just wasted my time then. I mean, yeah, we built a relationship and a friendship, but like, I'm not, I'm not looking to wait that long. I'm ready to get married now. So you got to be clear in your intentions. Y'all feel with me on that? Clarity counters confusion. If you feel confused, ask. Be prepared and pure. This is the fun, the fun ending we got. Be prepared and be pure. You know, do you know why so many Christians get, uh, have unplanned pregnancies at church? Have you ever thought about that? Anyone been in church long enough to find out that there's plenty of unplanned pregnancies that happen? It's because Christians don't carry condoms. It's as simple as that. You know Why? Because as a Christian, you should have it in your heart with the intention and desire that I want to be pure, that I do want to wait for marriage because that's what the Bible teaches. And so many Christians do have that and they end up giving in to their temptations anyway. And like I said, they don't carry condoms and I'm not advocating for you guys to start doing that. What I'm telling you is you're going to need a little more preparation than that than to just say, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. Because anyone that's been here long enough knows that you can tell yourself that all day, but once it gets down to sitting next to each other on that couch, it's like, well, shoot, their body does look pretty good right now. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're, you're hugging each other, you're like, oh, shoot, this, this feels a, a lot better than I initially thought. And, and just like I said at the very beginning, your pleasure will counteract your judgment. And you will do something that you regret when pleasure arises. That's why it's, when it comes to, with this idea of being pure, 
Purity is honoring to God as well as honoring your heart and your future marriage. If you just continue to give yourself to that person, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be less honorable if you end up marrying somebody else. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not putting any, any person on a high horse. I'm not saying that this way, that a person that gets married as a virgin is better than a person that gets married that, that waited. But I will tell you this, that I, I, me and my wife, we didn't get to do that. We lived sinful lifestyles before we ever gave our lives to Christ. And there, there, I, I say now that, man, I wish I, I knew that, that purity of God because it would be so much more meaningful with my wife. There would be so much less baggage and burden that I've carried, that she's carried, if we both waited for each other, if we knew the, the idea of what it meant to be pure. And even when we were dating, I'm being extra transparent here. I, I was uh, the, the youth president at our old church before I was a youth pastor. I, was, I went to a ministry internship. I was sold out for God. I left everything behind. I was reading the Bible vigorously. I was a, a man of God. And so was my wife. She was going to Bible college. But shoot, when we were together, man, was it difficult would be a better word. It was very difficult to resist one another. We just both got hot and bothered. And there was one time where I was like, oh my gosh. And I, in effort to try to, to stay away from her, I started, I started singing to her. <laughs> I said, mom, this is a classic song that you may know. My mind keeps telling me no, but my body, my body keeps telling me yes. That's exactly what it's like when you're dating somebody. Your mind is like, no, I shouldn't. But it's like, but it feels so right. And I'm glad to say that me and my wife did not have sex before we got married. But dang, did we come close. And I'm telling you that, that just telling yourself that you are willfully strong enough is not enough. You, you need to be a lot more prepared than that. And when I'm talking about being prepared, I'm not talking about just carrying condoms with you just in case. I'm, I'm telling you that you need to be prepared by setting boundaries. You need to set some boundaries like, hey, I'm, I need to go home by this time because if I stay with you past 10, boy. <laughs> I... We cannot sit on the couch together and watch Netflix because then we're going to chill. <laughs> Y'all dig what I'm saying? You, you need to put some practical boundaries in place to stop yourself because there's no way you're going to be able to stop yourself in the heat of the moment. And, and I'll go as far to say that it doesn't matter where you are. You could, you could have a car with a middle console and it won't matter. For, you don't even care about that gear shift. <laughs> You'll be all over each other. You need to have specific times and, and boundaries in place. And, and I'll go as far to say this, and this is biased, but my wife is, has agreed with me that, uh, to an extent, that ladies, you have more power of control than a guy does. I, it says in, in Genesis that women have the pains of labor, right? That's what the curse is. Well, men have the, the, the burden and labor of lust. And it is a fiery lust within the soul and the heart of a man. 
and they can, some, they can just not contain themselves sometimes. And they will only go as far as you let them. And if they go farther than that, then you need to snip that boy. <laughs> but honestly, they will only go as far as you let them. And, and don't be so raw about it when they're like, come on, baby. If, they, if they're begging and pleading and crying, you can still tell them no. And they'll get over it. And afterwards, I'm like, man, I, I kind of feel embarrassed about the way I acted back there. I just think God's so steamy in there. And <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> but ladies, you got to stick to your guns and say no. And I know that it's hard for you too. But you, you, I'm telling you that you just have a, a little bit more power than the guy does. And they will only go as far as you let them. And if it's the other way around, I, there's never been a moment where a guy's like, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> no, please. And of course, I'm exaggerating. But a guy's like, okay, like, you, so we're good with this then, right? <laughs> All right, well, sh- like, you could be talking five minutes before about purity, but if you started making moves on him, like, yeah, 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 we could go on with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be prepared to be pure. And, and in closing on this, you know, I, I view sexuality and sex as a garden. I view it as a garden. And it, guys and girls, we both have these, this garden of ourselves. And every time that we all allow ourselves to, to, to let somebody into our garden, every time that we, we share a bed with somebody else in sex, you're, you're, giving, you're leaving that person with some of your fruit, some of your flowers. And now don't get me wrong. It's not like you just got one flower there, one fruit there. You may not feel it that bad. But when you continuously to allow yourself to trust that person to come into your garden, there's going to be a moment where you don't have any flowers left. You don't have any fruit left. And when you finally get to the person that you're waiting for, you have so much less to give them. It's, they'll stay there with you in your garden. They'll love you. They'll cherish you. But it takes time for things to grow back. And, and even speaking for myself, there is a moment before I even gave my life to Christ. Before I had any con- conception of purity, anything like that. There is a moment where I was just allowing anybody into my garden. I was trying to get as many people as I could into my garden. And there was a moment where I didn't have anything left. Even as a guy, there's a moment that I felt empty and desolate because I felt like each person that I was with took something away. And it is so meaningful to, to, to let your, your sex life be honoring to God. Because when you really get down to it, who created sex? God himself. It's not like Adam and Eve went behind a bush and came out and said, hey, God, guess what? Guess what we found out? And God wasn't surprised. Like, what? The, you mean the parts fit? I mean, I guess you guys could do that. He even, I mean, and if you even think about what, what is the purpose of sex? You know, usually in church, people would say it's, Production to reproduce and multiply. But if that was the case, every time you would have sex, it'd bring out children. Just about every time you have sex, it brings pleasure. 
Pleasure is the number one purpose of sex. And God put this pleasure in the sanctity of marriage to be special. Sex is a big deal. But what does our world say? Oh, it's just a little sex. It's just a little sex. It's not a big deal. See, you're, you're taking this amazing king-size bed that God has offered to be special, and you're going to the doggy bed saying, that's oh, just a little sex. And you're, you're taking something special and you're, giving it, you're making it into like we're animals. It's something meaningful and special. And it's something that's amazing and glorious. And you, you know what's right and wrong. The no's that we have are knowing what's right and wrong and sticking to what's right. You need to stick to what's right. You need to know your role in dating and marriage and relationships. You need to know your role and know what you expect the other role to be. Because if not, you're going to be confused. And you need to know that your relationship honors God. (coughs) You need to know that your relationship honors God. And I want everyone here to bow your heads and close your eyes. And what I'm telling you guys is biblical, is spiritual. And even in in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how your bodies are not your own. That your body is the temple of God. And a lot of people think that that verse is an explanation of why not to get tattoos or piercings. But that verse is actually talking about our sexual morality. That your body is like a temple. And so you shouldn't just join your body with, with any person that you find. Why dirty your springs when you could keep your springs pure? And if you're here today and maybe... But this whole idea, you realize when it came to honoring God, even in a dating relationship, at some point you realize that the most important relationship that you've missed out on is having a relationship with God, the Father, with Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you want to make that relationship and start dating Jesus today, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. See your hands. And so if you raise your hand or if you've already given your life to Christ, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Because the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus rose from the dead, that surely you shall be saved. And his payment on the cross will pay for our sins. And you can live a new life in him, free from sin and free from guilt. So pray, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. Be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. You died for me on the cross and you rose from the dead. I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.